I'm here today with Richard Pearson, Lead Manager of the AXA Framlington Managed Funds. Richard, hello to you. At the end of 2012, you held more cash than bonds in the portfolio. What has changed in terms of your strategy and, and how might you think about that going forward? It hasn't changed very much since the end of 2012. Um, as I'm speaking today, we've got about 22% of the portfolio in bonds and cash, split almost equally. We've got fractionally more bonds now than we had cash, and that was the reverse of that at the end of December. Um, and the rationale for having such a large chunk of bonds and cash is that I see that as the insurance policy against the unexpected happening in equities, and it's to smooth out the volatility in equity markets. And I would, I would expect in the long term always to have uh, probably 20% minimum in bonds and cash for just that reason. At the moment we've got more cash because I feel very uncomfortable about the valuation of the bond markets. We only own government bonds, uh, um, we've got plenty of equities and plenty of equity risk so I don't see the need to have additional equity risk through the bond portfolio by owning corporate debt. Um, but I just feel that government bond yields the sort that you would be happy owning are just far too low and at some stage are going to normalise to, to higher levels and therefore I know my cash isn't returning anything but at some point I expect bonds to go uh, lower and therefore to lose money. So it's a more of a damage, damage limitation exercise by holding cash. Um, and in the bond portfolio we're pretty defensive, we've got over half of it is in index link stocks which again I, I feel is a bit of an insurance policy against something unpleasant happening on the inflation front. What do you look for, for from the index-linked holdings in the bond part of your portfolio? I think it'll be a relative benefit because um, you know, if inflation goes up, bond yields are going, to go, uh, are going to go up as well. And we'll probably lose money in absolute terms in index-linked, but we'll do better than in conventionals. Um, I think the, the, the big uncertainty is, is how quantitative easing, this huge buying of government debt by the, the Bank of England, how that can be unwound over the next few years and whether that ultimately will prove to be inflationary. Richard, I wanted to talk about the relationship between equities and bonds, in, in particular the concept of the great rotation which has been banded around in the, in the media. What's your view of that? I think it's more likely to be a, a small rotation than a great rotation. Um, a lot of the buyers of bonds over the last decade uh, have been insurance companies and pension funds. Um, they've bought those bonds uh, to match their long-term liabilities, the duration of their long-term liabilities, and they're not going to change. They, they, they won't switch back into equities. Uh, there are structural reasons why they need to own those bonds, and I think that that's, um, you know, they'll continue with that. But equally, there are plenty of other investors who own bonds because they're nervous about economic growth. They're just nervous. Um, and I think we're already seeing signs, you see that through the mutual funds flows, that um, purchases on a monthly basis of mutual funds invested in equities for the first time for a long, long time have exceeded those of bonds. So I think that there is a, a bond to equity switch underway, but it's not going to be the huge big bang that perhaps uh, you know, we've seen over the last couple of decades. You mentioned some nervousness in bondholders at the current time. How do you think that's been affected by the downgrade in the rating of UK government debt? I don't think so. It's a great media story. You know, it was all over the news at 10, all over the, the front pages of the newspapers. But most um, economists and bond investors have always have felt for quite a long time this is just a question of when, not if. There was no great surprise on the day. Equally, we've been here before a couple of times. We've had the US downgrade, the French downgrade, um, and they were 10 minute wonders. Um, US yields continued to fall very significantly last year after the downgrade. So 
I don't think this is going to have a lasting impact on, on bond investors. Let's move on to talk about some stocks in the portfolio. Vodafone is one of your top 10 holdings, yet many think it uh, faces tremendous challenges. Why do you currently support the stock? We, we, we've been out of Vodafone for a while, but we bought back into it in 2011. And the reason for that was that we were very excited by what their US business was doing. They own 45% of Verizon Wireless, um, which is the fastest growing uh, mobile company in the US. And it was this huge exponential growth in data, um, which had particularly attracted us. Uh, us. Um, and although we recognise that there were problems in Europe, um, the European mobile industry's uh, comp competition is tough, the regulatory environment is tough, uh, we just felt that the attractions of the US, a uh, huge market, outweighed that. And also Vodafone's got some pretty good emerging markets like India, which again growing very, very rapidly. Um, now, subsequently, it didn't prove a great investment. It was a uh, Neither was it a bad one either, but there have been a lot of bears out there who just keep banging on about the European story and how yeah, X-growth this business is. But even in the last few days, we've had stories from the US that suggest that Verizon, the actual parent company that owns the other 55%, have been in negotiations with, uh, with Vodafone to find a structure that allows them to buy back the other 45. And if they can monetize that stake, it's going to have a huge impact on the Vodafone share price. I mean, that investment could be worth two-thirds of the whole of the um, Vodafone market capitalization. It has to be structured in a way that would be tax efficient, and it may take time, but I just think people are recognizing, finally, that there's a huge value, value in that um, asset. Um, the other thing which I think is beginning to look a bit better is actually Europe itself. We've already seen um, how the regulators of the fixed line companies have relaxed the rules on pricing to encourage broadband uh, rollout. I think you, you will also see them uh, allow consolidation not just within markets but across borders um, there and that could also give a, a bit of help to, uh, to Vodafone but the, the game changer here is a deal on Verizon Wireless at some stage in the future and there'll be huge upside in the share price from here. So what other stocks do you think would benefit from the recovery in Europe? A recovery in the European economy is just good for, for, for the world. I mean, it's, uh, most of our UK um, investments have a big international exposure. Um, you know, we we d deliberately focus on those that are uh, growing in emerging markets or in the US, but nevertheless, it's still going to have a, a, a very positive impact on lots of the companies that, that, that we own and hugely positive for sentiment towards equities generally. If you, if you, again, if you, if you believe uh, Mr. Peston on the 10 o'clock news, uh, you wouldn't own any, you wouldn't owned any European investments last year. Um, the, the European benchmark, I think in sterling in 2012, returned almost 18%, and our European investments returned 28%. So actually there's some great business in Europe, a little bit like the international companies that we own in the UK. Uh, a lot of those companies are growing very rapidly in emerging markets or in the US. So you can't just badge Europe as European equities with the sort of sluggish European economies. House builders have been a good area for the portfolio over the past few years. Do you think there's more to go for here? I think there is more to go for. I mean, we originally bought um, into initially Barrett Developments and then Persimmon about this time last year. And the rationale for buying Barrett first was that 
we're basically only building about half of the new houses that we need to build. We should be, as a result, result of uh, family formation, and we probably should be building a quarter of a million houses a year, and we're building 100, 110,000 a year. So what it means is that if you are building a sensibly priced, decent house, you can sell it. But more important than that was that the house builders bought a lot of expensive land in the run-up to the credit crunch in 2007, 2008. And as they work through that land bank, uh, they slowly get uh, a greater percentage of cheap land that they bought post-2008. So what we could see was, looking at the next three or four years, even if they continue to sell the same number of houses, the profit margins were going to go up for the next three or four years, and their profits are going to go up. Um, and we, we just found that that a very attractive proposition. And because of the, the shortage of houses being built, uh, we knew there would be demand for those houses. Now, you move on a year, and what we've seen is some very strong performance of the shares, um, but actually the environment for the house builders is, is improving. Uh, mortgage availability is much better than it was a year ago. House prices, not just in the southeast, are beginning to edge up for the new, for the new uh, property. So I think we, we can see an environment from here where volumes of sales are probably going to improve a bit. Um, pricing is going to be good. And the, the support I've said earlier that, um, that they just have worked out the expensive land also is a help. So um, more recently, we've also added to the house building holdings through buying Bovis and a new issue, Crest Nicholson. Uh, so we, we've now got four house builders. Um, I'm conscious of not having too many eggs in one basket, so I have taken a little bit of profit out of Barrett and out of Persimmon, but uh, I still think there's more to go for. Could you give me an example of a stock or sector, perhaps, that hasn't performed so well over the past year? If, if there's a sector which did badly last year, it, it, uh, relatively for us, it was resources, and it was particularly the oils. And BG was, was the one that hurt probably most. BG is a long-term investment, which has done really well on the back of some huge exploration successes offshore Brazil. Um, but they announced uh, earlier this year that um, their production targets were going to have to be reined back. Basically, we're talking about very, very deep water oil and gas, uh, and it's just been tougher to get out than they expected. It's there, the reserves are there, um, but the production uh, forecasts have just been pulled back significantly. And clearly that has a big impact on uh, investors, and the shares have been really pretty weak as a result. Now, in this particular instance, um, we haven't done anything. We, we, we have stuck with our holding. We believe that the oil and the gas will come out. And, and I think that there's a difference when you you're confident that um, there's been a delay for a reason that is understandable than when you just invest in a, uh, which we tend not to, in a wildcat exploration venture and they just don't find anything and there's just nothing there. I mean that's not our style, we will invest in, in companies that have reserves. Um, BG's reserves will come through, it may take a, a couple of years longer, um, but we think they're significantly undervalued. Um, and you know, when things go wrong, um, why, why might we sell something? Well, we, we might sell something because our original expectations have been proved incorrect. So in the case of BG, we, we've stuck with it. Um, oils generally weren't great last year. Um, BP was another uh, poor performer, again, for a specific reason. Uh, as, as most people will know, the Gulf of Mexico um, uh, catastrophe at the Macondo well. Um, you know, the, the legal cases go on and on and um, are underway again at the moment. Um, 
and we don't know how much it's going to cost them in the end, but our, our best guess is that it's fully discounted in the share price. So again, we've sat with our, our holding because we think when it is settled, and we think probably it will be settled in due course, there'll be a huge sigh of relief and the price will go better because it's a, you know, it's a great uh, portfolio of assets. Um, the, th the 40, 50 billion uh, sales that they've made since Macondo invariably have been, uh, they achieved better than book um, um, prices. So I, I think, that, again, that's one where we, we've sat through it. But we, we do sell things. Um, last year we sold Tesco, which is, we've been a great fan of for a long, long time, um, on the back of their international expansion. Um, but it became obvious, uh, uh, you know, a year or so ago, that they'd really taken their eye off the ball in the UK, and that the, the competition were beginning to um, uh, perform better. Um, and we just felt that that was uh, something that was going to take a long time and a lot of money to, to put right. Uh, so not only did we sell Tesco, but we also sold Morrison's, which again is one that we'd, we'd liked. Because we just thought the whole industry was going to suffer when Tesco finally got its act together and competed. Um, so th there's a case where we did take action because we felt the competitive environment um, had changed. So Richard, to sum up, what should investors expect from a balanced portfolio in 2013? That's a $100,000 question, isn't it? Um, it's it's very difficult to say. I mean, if you look at the, the fund we, we managed for St James's Place, last year um, it, the unit price return was just over 10%. We've achieved about 6% so far um, year to date in just, just over a couple of months, in, in, in a couple of months. So I would expect a, at least a similar return. But bear in mind, we've got 20% of, uh, a bit more than 20% in bonds and cash, where I don't expect significant returns at all, because the cash will, is effectively zero. And the bonds at the moment are effectively zero, but you know, could even be negative as, as the year rolls on. So that's a bit of a headwind. But I would be disappointed if the equity side didn't do more than enough to produce a, another 10% sort of return for the year overall. Richard Pearson, thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.